When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, hello out there, everyone, and welcome back to None But the Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcasts. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean. We're going to be talking the latest archive tonight, but first, in what we're going to have to file is deja vu all over again. We've spoken to a number of people, and I guess, Flynn, there's an update on tracks, too. Yes, and unfortunately, it's not the one people want to hear, and that it's not coming again. So for the fourth year in a row, there were some rumors at some point during the year, but not happening again. Yeah, that was a bummer to hear. And I guess the next question people are going to be asking is, will there be another box set released this year, perhaps born in the USA? And again, the answer is no. So we're 0 for 2 there. 0 for 2. But we do <laughs> expect something new. We we are hearing rumblings. We, we It's safe to say that. Yes, we believe something's coming. So uh, stay tuned for, for more details as they come in. I'm excited to hear whatever Mr. Springsteen is going to put out, of course. So I will be waiting anxiously, as I'm sure the rest of our audience will as well. Now, before we get to our main topic, I do want to bring up one more current issue, okay? What is Go that ahead. thing on his upper lip? <laughs> you've seen, uh, well, you you've know, seen... I don't normally comment on, on the appearance issues, but I will say that I really do hope that the mustache you're referring to is gone by the time the tour starts. <laughs> God, he's, uh, he's, he's popped up in a few pictures on, online recently. I guess he's, he's out and about. He will take pictures with fans, and there seems to be that, that little mustache-esque thing. It's not even a full mustache. And it's just like, Bruce, no. Uh, you know, grow the goatee back. Grow a full beard back. Grow the mutton chops back. But the the single mustache, no, not looking good on you, buddy. Well, I can't say I disagree. And tough words here from Flynn McLean <laughs> on the Springsteen mustache. So with that, yeah, just... I think we should get out to business. And let's talk about our August archive. All right, let's talk about the August 19th, 1984 archive release that, uh, from the Brendan Byrne Arena at the Meadowlands. And to join us, we have Rich Russo. He is the host of the syndicated radio show Anything Anything, as well as the Jersey Guy Does Jersey on Little Stevens Underground Garage on Sirius XM uh, Channel 21. Rich, welcome to the program. Hello, boys. How are you guys doing? Great. How are you? Good. Good. Well, thank you for having me. This is very cool, very exciting. To be on this, you know, you guys take the world by storm, and it's always a great listen to hear you guys uh, banter away and uh, pontificate and uh, throw out your opinions and listen to things. Always, always fun. So it's great to be on this. And, and we've been thank looking you very to, much. Yes, thank you. And we've been looking to to have you on. And this is the perfect opportunity because you were at the August nineteenth, nineteen eighty four show at the at the at the Meadowlands. Yeah, so, I was at a. Yeah, I was at a bunch. Of, I was at a bunch of that run. I mean, these were basically these were home games for me. I mean, the Meadowlands is twenty minutes from my house. And so, in how many of those shows did you did you see? It's funny uh, when you guys asked me. Uh, I was trying to find my ticket stubs. My house is in 
disarray because <laughs> of construction. So I, it either, I didn't go to all 10 that I know for a fact. Um, there was a couple I couldn't get. Plus I was playing Legion ball at that point and I had games. We were in the playoffs and yeah, I think seven or eight of the 10, but I was definitely at this show that was, um, that finally got released and it sounds so good. And you were at the next night. I was at the next night. Yeah. The Steven night was really great too. I am jealous. I, I saw one measly show on this stand, my first ever show, August 8th, 1984. And just the thought of being in the venue and actually seeing multiple shows and seeing it all unfold. Uh, we really want to hear about it and we want to hear specifically about this show so let's get into that. What what do you remember most from these shows and specifically this night, August 19th? Well, you know, the to kind of tell the story of these shows, you, like the ticketing was, the whole ticketing thing was, you know, kind of unique because in a pre-Twitter, pre-cell phone, pre-internet world, you the way these tickets went on sale was like a bomb dropping. Like it wasn't like you didn't get like a head. You didn't know. Like they literally would just come on the radio and maybe it was an embargoed press release from the night before or whatever. And the DJ on WNEW. And at that point, I don't know if it was Dave Herman, whoever it was came on and said, Oh, by the way, Bruce Springsteen is playing. And I don't think all 10 went on sale at the same time and said, is playing, you know, the burn arena tickets are on sale now. And that's how it happened. Oh, I totally remember that. It was crazy. So what did you do when you heard the announcement? I was driving to school, to high school. I was in high school and it, this was, they went on sale. I think the end of June, I don't know the exact date, maybe the 18th, 19th, 20th, somewhere around there of June, which was the last couple days of school. And we had final exams and I had perfect attendance. I never <laughs> missed a day of school my entire life. Wow. And this is the last day or two of my junior year. I've got one or two finals left. And as I'm driving to school and I had a 66 Mustang convertible dry, it's gorgeous weather driving to school, which is five minutes from my house, got the radio and I didn't have an FM radio in the car into the dashboard. I had like a literally boom box that I drove around <laughs> with to listen to cassette tapes at that point or FM radio. And the DJ comes on and says, Bruce Springsteen tickets are going on sale now. And I literally just drove by my high school and drove directly to a place in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is not really that great of an area that had the Ticketron at that point called Alwick Records and drove my Mustang convertible into borderline ghetto with a boombox <laughs> sitting on the front seat and a 17-year-old kid who, by the way, had $400 cash on him. Not because I thought Bruce Springsteen tickets were going on sale was because after I was going to take my final exam, I was taking this Mustang to the shop because I had a leak in my gas tank and the gas would come up into the trunk. So if you put like a suitcase or something big there, by the time you got to the beach or whatever, your your suitcase or your blanket or whatever smelled like gas because there was a pinhole. 
So I had the cash to go get this fixed because the summer was coming up and I, me and my friends and everybody was going to be going down the shore a lot. So that's why I had money on. Wow. That was, that was fortunate. So, uh, so what happened with your final? I call into the school, I get the switchboard and I say, Hey, can I have, and I remember the teacher's name, rest in peace, Mr. Kaiser, who was my English teacher. I said, can I have Mr. Kaiser's class? And they buzzed into him and literally he picks up the phone. And before he says anything, you could hear the entire class laughing. And he goes, let me guess it's Russo. And I go, yes. He goes, let me guess you're getting Bruce Springsteen tickets. (laughs) And and I'm, I go, yeah. He goes, well, you better get me a, a ticket for one night. And as soon as those tickets are done off, are off sale, I'm going to let you come in and take the test. So if you get back here at noon, whatever time you get back here, because my test, I think it was at 10 o'clock. Whenever you get back here, I'll let you take the test. And I won't count this as you missing school or being tardy. Wow. And that's what he did. And he he didn't go with me. He brought his wife. I think he went maybe the 12th or whatever night I gave him. And, you know, I think and I kind of feel bad about this. I think I gave him what would have been the worst poll of the seats that I had. Oh, so, well, look, I mean, my, my, you know, I think I gave him <laughs> section 232 or something in the upper deck, but he was more than happy, you know, to pay. They were the cheaper seats. And then I think the next day, more tickets went on sale again. Yeah, it's funny you say that you stuck your teacher in Section 232. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's where I sat on August 8th. And I was with my buddy Roger, who I think you know, and we were up at the top. We were just so happy to be in the building. We did sneak down to the floor (laughs) for the second set. And, you know, the the amazing thing about that, and I had seen them on the River Tour a couple times, but to see them on that tour and if you remember at that point you know born usa had already been the number one album you know um i'm pretty sure dancing in the dark's run was done and the thing i remember most about that run is cover me was the single and he didn't do it every night like cover me was kind of a rarity in that run, right? He probably only did out of the 10 shows, maybe he did it three times, right? He didn't do cover me was like dance in the dark. Of course was every night. He did not do cover me, which was the single at that point. He did not do that. Like every night of that run, which I always thought was amazing. And he obviously did Jersey girl, which is a flip side a couple times in that run. <laughs> And I and me being a record collector and you know obviously astute to the music charts and listening to you know very, you know whether it was top forty radio or NEW or whatever you know those stations the fact that cover me was a single and I had the record with the picture sleeve and you know he wasn't playing yet it was just bizarre to me. But he did do it, it at the, at the August nineteenth show. He did do it at the August nineteenth show, which is pretty cool. And the other thing that really stuck out about that show and also the other shows on the tour is no surrender the way that he did no surrender like in that acoustic version like was kind of like confusing you know to you know again there's no internet there's no you know boards for people to you know it was just kind of like what the hell is this 
Like, why? Like, why is he doing it this way? The whole band is there. I get the Nebraska songs, you know, when he was doing Reason to Believe and My Father's House the way he was doing it. But why are you doing No Surrender this way? And it just literally, I remember me and my friends after, you know, every show, whether we'd go to the TikTok Diner or White Castle <laughs> or whatever we would do, we'd be like, what the hell? Why is he not doing No Surrender the, the correct way or at least? in our opinion the correct way right and that's one of the things i remember from that show because that was after seeing it so many times when it would come up to him uh, to do no surrender or when he'd walk out with the you know the guitar and the you know the harmonica and be like what the heck is this um uh, it's a beautiful version though on this beautiful. august 19th oh, yeah listen, it it you're know, going back and listening to these things because if you remember and i'm sure you did it just like I did. How, you know, Flynn, you've probably done it in general. I always went back to try to get the shows I was at. On oh, set, yeah. Right. You know, so you would go to the record, you know, the record store that might sell the bootleg cassettes or the, you know, or you'd go to like a record show or maybe you knew somebody that knew somebody that taped it or whatever. And you would get these God awful sounding tapes, but you would want the shows you were at. And then, yeah, I remember that that sounded good because that was one of the songs, you know, No Surrender on the bootleg tapes. And of course, the slower acoustic songs actually sounded pretty good because there wasn't a lot of noise that, you know, mess with these people microphone because a lot of people were quiet during that. A lot of people were, you know, going to the bathroom during that. So it was pretty, pretty amazing that I remember that. I remember the horns coming out for 10th Avenue and Steven not being there and saying like, here, here comes the Miami horns. Okay. Well, where's Miami? You know, <laughs> And he's nowhere to be found. And then they come out again at the end and he's nowhere to be found. And then of course the next night he comes out and you know, that unbelievable version of drift away. And I think they did what two hearts to that night. And yeah, yes. it's really, really cool. But that show on the 19th, it, just remembering and the power of that band, you know, and just how tight it was and no screens, you know, there's no cell phones, there's no video screens, there's no distraction other than the music and the, the energy in that building. And I didn't, you know, it's one night, I think it was on the floor, couple nights i was various lowers couple nights i think i was up top and when you were up top at hell if you were into section 32 i mean that that bounce that was happening you know during like badlands and prove it all night and born to run right. that where that top of that arena was literally you know moving was quite you know it's quite the feeling and quite the energy and it was just to see that tour at, you know, in that arena, of course, knowing, you know, months later, we're going to be seeing that same thing in a gigantic stadium was just mind blowing. It was totally overwhelming for me. Uh, I think I was 15 and a half and to be in that building. And I had been to I one or two other shows before I saw Bruce on August 8th. And as you were just saying, the energy in the building, it's its so memorable. It's seared in, into my brain. I, if I close my eyes, I can see it now. What was going on in that arena, the, the power. And he, he was breaking big, but he hadn't gotten crazy big yet. And I was wowed by how everyone knew every move, the th 
Jungle Land, thrusting the fist in the air. And I remember him up on the piano and, and all that. And, and it was just for for a young kid, it was it was really something. And I, clearly this podcast would not <laughs> exist without that. Well, I, w- I want to ask a follow up question about uh, the reason to believe in my father's house. Here he was. He was, as you guys were saying, he was basically almost on top of the world. He, he was definitely on the uh, on the upswing here. But he hadn't quite hit the apex, and he's here. He he's, comes out of Atlantic City, and then he comes out and he plays these two slow acoustic and quiet acoustic songs. What was the reaction? I mean, I know what would happen now. We've seen it. People people just start talking to each other. They're on their phones. It's almost almost disrespectful. Actually, it is disrespectful. But how was it then? Was it was he did he still have everybody in the palm of his hand at that point? You know, we if you had gone to multiple shows, you knew that was coming because he was, do, you know, he was doing Highway Patrolman. He was doing, you know, uh, Johnny 99. So he was doing kind of a Nebraska triple shot. I think pretty much every night was three, right? Maybe one night he didn't do all three, but he was doing it. So you were getting it. So you were kind of you were kind of prepared for it. I think, you know, there was confusion because that album really didn't get much juice. I mean, it, it didn't get played, you know, on the radio. I mean, Open All Night and Atlantic City got a little bit of FM radio play, at least around here. And, and back then, the quote-unquote AAA format or whatever didn't work. So this was kind of like, you know, and as a 17-year-old and being with, 17 year old friends or girls or whatever. Yeah, it was not what it would be now. Like if he pulls out my father's house or one of those songs and does it that so you get pin drop, you get so there was kind of like, oh, let me go get a hot dog, let me go get a beer. Wasn't me because I wanted to see every single song. I wasn't really about, you know having a bathroom break or whatever, you know, at 17, you don't need to go to the bathroom every you know, half hour, <laughs> you know? So to me, I was just locked in because you were seeing these songs from this album that were, that was just so jarring. So to see them in New Jersey, where I'm sure they went over, it went over well. And then, you know, when he would do open all night, because obviously the Jersey references in it, was different. I know he, I don't think he did it on the 19th, right? He did my father's house reason to believe in Atlantic city, but Atlantic right. city obviously had juice because New Jersey. Um, but well, it was cool. It, you know, the, the, my father's house, I just remember being just completely, completely like blown away because that song resonates with me because, you know, I have drama with my father and at that point was having drama with my father. So that song just kind of years into it. And then the cool thing about that is when he comes out of that, is when he goes in to cover me, which made me happy because it was the friggin' single. <laughs> you know, it's, it's about time you're playing the friggin' single for every other show, whatever he was doing. And then it got into like, I guess, a couple of the goofy songs, right? Then it would have been like Darlington County and, and in Glory Nils, Days. In Glory Days and, and Nils running around with the Hoboken hat and whatever he was <laughs> You know, the craziness with that was really, you know, it, it was, and the show was really, really paced well. And then it was always cool, like, the halftime or the intermission, you know, where after Thunder Road, 
he'd be like, I'll be out in 15 minutes. He'd come out an hour later. You know, it wasn't like, it was never 15 minutes. You know, it was always 25, 30, right? How, what did you think at that point? Like where you're up and, you know, watching the show and then he's like, okay, I'm taking a little break. I'll be back in a little bit. I didn't know anything. So we were just like, oh, there's a break, whatever. <laughs> I, I think, how many, I have to go back and figure it out. I know I had seen Genesis in the fall of 1982, which was obviously a totally different type of show. And, and really, it was so fresh. And my parents, to allow them, I grew up on Long Island. I got in a car with friends and we drove to the Meadowlands. I mean, this was a big deal in my household. And was I going to be allowed to go? So I was just happy to be there. And as you're pointing out, the power of this band now, it has a special place in my heart because it was the first time I saw them. But I do think there's an argument to be made, and I've made it on the show before, Later on in the Born in the USA tour, even though I fully acknowledge the Darkness tour and the River tour are incredible, there's a moment that takes place in Bruce's career on this tour that will never be topped. That would be this this part of 84, no? Yeah, I mean, because it was the it was the last time, you know, in that arena run where it like you watch this guy and for me you know i had been listening to his music since i was a little kid like 72 73 my father was into him so my father had the early albums you know and my father had seen him a couple times at the capitol theater and I'd seen him. I think he saw the capitol theater john sebastian show so my father was always go into shows and so therefore to finally see it on the river tour was really really cool with my father a couple times we went and then to go the born usa tour and this is the craziest thing and you when you think about what's happened to my life since then with this band my father would not come to any of these born usa shows and this is a guy who had seen him at like the Chatterbox and you know, Capitol Theater and, you know, probably King College. And then, you know, the Meadowlands would not go see him. And I asked him why and I go, come with me to a show figuring, you know, and he said, nah, because you bring your friends, bring a girl, bring whoever. I don't want to go. It's just not the same without Steven. Oh, wow. And and I was just like and it didn't resonate to me. I'm like, what do you like, you know, you knew who Steven was and you knew, you know, and he had already had albums at that point, but my father was so locked into that band from that 75 to 81 era, which we would classify as the golden era. Right. And he like, didn't want to be, he didn't want to go. And years later, I brought my, I got my father to go to a show. We went to one of the garden shows and I brought him and he hadn't been. And this is probably, it's either the rise. It's, I think it's a rising tour. And I bring my father and we go and we talk to Steven afterwards. And my father says, yeah, I haven't seen you guys since, you know, uh, you left the band. So I'm finally coming back to see you guys. And Steven's like, wow, you made a good choice. And thank you for respecting <laughs> me and not coming. And so he goes to my father. He goes, so what did you think? And my father goes, what the fuck is going on with Born to Run? 
Like, what's going on with the guitars in that? And then Steven has to sit there technically explaining to this old guy who had heard Born to Run with literally two guitars. Now what's going on with three guitars? And he's now explaining the high, the middle, the low, the underneath. And he's trying to explain all this to my father. And my father's like, yeah, it just doesn't sound the same. And I'm just like, oh, great. This is, you know, Steven's just going to strangle me because now I got my old man is complaining musically about the show. It's just like, you know, it was just bonkers for lack of a better term. But that was um, that and that tour. Yeah, really just kind of was me it was the first time i got to go to shows and because i was driving and not all my friends were that got to take friends got to you know hang out in the parking lot we weren't drinking or anything but like it was just to see that community and watch that you know and they had really great merch too right the merch was cool the shirts were special it, right there was special I still metal, have it special metal and shirts right and right. special you know it was just it was just a cool cool atmosphere and it just when he would go off the stage for thunder road and take that break and the lights came on and it was hazy with the smoke <laughs> and you felt like a whiff of air conditioning or something and you just were like processing it, it was really really cool and then he came out i always remember him coming out like showered and like in a sports jacket you know it was like it was like a completely different guy you know, he left the stage just drenched in like, you know, a tank top or a T-shirt or whatever he was wearing. And then he'd come back out. His hair was like, you know, like he had just taken a shower and came back out in like a sports jacket. Like he looked like professional for like three songs. And then the <laughs> sports jacket would come off and then it would turn into the same thing we just saw. But it was just, that always stuck into me, him doing Hungry Heart, walking up the side of the stage because one night I was in. I think it was 120 where he literally would go over there and have the mic and the mic was like 20 feet from you when he was doing that. And he's all clean and he's in the sports jacket. It just burnt into my skull from, you know, these shows. Hi, I'm Hal Schwartz from Numb But The Brave. And I want to tell you about our exciting new sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid is a service for musicians that put your music into online stores and streaming services like Spotify. You keep 100% of your royalties. The DistroKid app is packed with features. You can check your streaming stats from Apple and Spotify, upload lyrics and song credits. You can also get notified via push notifications when you've earned royalties. With Mixia, a powerful tool for those without access to professional mastering engineers, users can put the finishing touches on their track in minutes. There's a simple interface that is easy to use even if you're a novice creator. It's only $99 for a year with unlimited mastered tracks. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely, send tracks to collaborators, booking agents, and anyone else you want to hear your work. Your music will stream at the highest quality so you can make a great impression, and the artwork files look great too. So check out DistroKid through None But The Brave's special link and receive 30% off your first year. DistroKid.com slash VIP slash MBTB. Once again, distrokid.com slash VIP slash MBTV. Thank you. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... 
The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Now, do you remember at the end of Thunder Road, there's some kind of incident? I think someone said he may have fallen off the stage. He says, you hear him in the archive, at the very end, he says, and he lives. Do you remember what happened there? I, that, no, I don't. I don't remember what. You know, he was so crazy jumping around, sliding around on top of the piano, playing to the people in the back, you know, spirit of the night, he's going into the crowd. Like you are like you would have just it didn't it here whatever it was it wasn't to where like oh my god like when i was at the apollo like oh my god he's gonna fall off the balcony here this is crazy what he's doing or eddie vetter climbing up on speakers and being like oh my god this is this is not good that i don't remember anything that would have been like out of the ordinary for the insanity that he was generating <laughs> on stage I was going to ask a similar question about uh, growing up. You talked about the gremlins getting into the microphone cable at, at some point. So I was going to ask about that. But I guess, uh, do you remember anything about that one? Well, I just remember, the, you know, it was always the stories. And I'm not sure, is this the one with, I mean, there was one with the woods and the bear. And the, yeah, that's yeah. this you one, know, or at least that's one of, that's right one where, of the gym. Right, that's one bear. where he's, you know, he's, yeah, there Right? Is that the one he's in? Yeah, he's with the bear, right? And the guy, and the guy comes yeah. out on the bear. Yeah, and the bear Jim suit. the dancing bear. Jim the dancing yeah. bear, and the, obviously. And it really registered on me that he actually played growing up at the August eighth show. The story was him and Clarence are lost in the woods, where they encounter a bear, Jim the dancing bear. They wind up making their escape from the bear, and they head into a clearing, where they're all alone. Suddenly, the moonlight shines down onto a guitar and a saxophone which are going to save their lives. And, and, we and when we touched, <laughs> but the, the cool thing about that was what I will never forget. Bruce picked up the sax and tried playing it like a guitar. Yes, and I Clarence would pick up the guitar and like he was playing a sax and it would get a big laugh out of the audience. And then they would like mockingly switch. And that's when he would say, and when we touched, and then it would kick back into the song. I'm getting chills actually just thinking about <laughs> it. Yeah, like hopefully at some point and that they film some of these, you know, that like this tour, the arena leg of this tour. And I know we've got some stadium stuff, obviously, in the Paris from 85. And I know there's NFL film stuff, but, you know, I just want to see like hopefully somewhere in the vaults or in the archive, they they filmed one of these 84 Meadowland shows because you really you know, it comes out, and by the way, the mix on this is unbelievable. Yes. I mean, the, right. the, the sonically, this is, and it's so crazy, and I'm sure you guys, and especially you, Flynn, because I know you're an audio nut, mm -hmm. like, you probably go and listen, because some of this was sourced for the box set, that you probably go listen to the box set version, and then listen to this version, and say, wow, how much better this sounds than the live 7585 box set of these source songs. It's unbelievable the mixes and how great they are doing with these things. Well, the thing about the box set, of course, is that they replaced the snare drum with something else that wasn't there. 
And so right. it's it's very distracting. It, I, I, I've only done that once, got, listened to one of these archives, then gone to live 7585 and done an A-B comparison. I only, only did it once, and it was so jarring. Actually, it was, it was Sandy from the Nassau Coliseum 1980 show, New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. That was the only time I've ever done an, a, an A-B comparison, and I just hated it. The drums were so distracting. They were way too up front, way too in your face, and I just hated it. So I probably will once – I will probably never listen to Live 7585 ever again. Right. Oh, I can't imagine. Why? Right, right. right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick, stick with these amazing archive shows that sound so much more natural and so much more to, to what, was, what it sounded like in each arena. So are we, and I know you guys keep track of this stuff. So are we at the point where everything from that box set has now come out in full shows, or is this a couple of things missing? Uh, big, well, the big one is 930, uh, 85. Oh, wow. uh, I think all the, I mean, so much of that, that third disc of, you know, from Warner USA to, I guess, I guess obviously 10th Avenue, but working on the highway, Darlington County, those are all, so many of those are from that from that second to last LA show in '85. But and don't we have one, don't we have LA '85 in this? We have a one. Nine twenty-seven. Yeah. Right. Oh, so right. We, it is nine thirty the last? No, wasn't the last one October? Right. Yes. The, uh, yes. The last show of the tour was October second, '85, and so, so they've only released one of those four, and that was the twenty September twenty-seventh. So we're assuming those are all. Yes, they were. Yes. They were. Yes. Well, so, I wanted to ask. Go on. Sorry. Go. Go. I was going to ask you a question. You said there were no screens. We we not, did you not mean indoors? Do, no, not there were indoors. no screens indoors. There were no no jumbotrons inside. Nope. Well, then nope. I kind of doubt there was anything filmed, unfortunately. Right? How there was no screens? You literally. I don't recall. I, I don't recall it. I don't. I didn't sit behind the stage, so I don't know whether if the upper deck behind the stage, maybe, but there. I don't remember seeing screens at a Springsteen show, an E Street show, until 85 Stadium. I would really hope that they have something from the stand, but I, I'm going to guess it's a long shot. We don't know of anything that was filmed. Even, I think, later in the arena tour, John Sales shot in Los Angeles for the Born in the USA video, but I, I guess from what's been said, they didn't shoot the entire show. And apparently they don't even have audio from that show because they've said they have no audio from any place in 84 except for Brendan Byrne. So even though they shot the Born in USA video there, and obviously it was synced to the studio track, which was, of was course, a very bizarre a, position. Biz, bizarrest thing ever. Like, it, it's funny when you think, you know, when you think of him basically not really ever caring about video. And like nowadays, with the way he's hands on with that, that would have never come out. There's no way he would have released that Born USA video in these days. He would not have done it. And could you imagine uh, if he if he had released a live version of Born in the USA at that point in time? It would have been. I mean, it would have been on MTV every 20 minutes. I think it was still on MTV every 30 minutes at the time. But that would have been just mind blowing. Yeah, but the, but the only thing is. And we know this from seeing it so many times. They could it that studio sound of that song with the drums and the glockenspiel and the whole thing has never ever been able to be 
duplicated in any live performance. Like that, that is like one of the few and where the studio version can never ever be top live. Maybe at the end in the guitar solos and all that, but that beginning can never ever be you know, duplicated. And I think you can listen to a hundred different versions, live versions of born USA from any tour. And it never gets to that sound that we got on that record. Never thought of it that way. See, one of my favorite moments of these shows and granted, I didn't attend any of these, but though, so through the magic of bootlegging, my favorite moment on any of these recordings is he counts in and that first few drum beats and the synthesizer hits in, I guess it's the glockenspiel that, I, that's my favorite moment. And if I had been, if they had released a live version, I would have, I mean, I was 14 years old at the time. I would have just, you know, lost, lost my head. It just would have been the most amazing thing ever. And I, I mean, I understand what you're saying about not able to replicate what they did in the studio, but I think the, the power of, of it live in an arena would have more than compensated for that. Oh no. When you're in that, when you're in that arena for those shows, and you know it goes dark and that starts that you're you know i like how was i saying you're getting chills and goosebumps i'm feeling that now because that was like an energy and like a it was you know it was amazing to be able to be in that room with those twenty thousand other people when that thing started up yeah it just had a whole like it was all it was transcendent Mm-hmm. literally life-changing <laughs> Life cha- no and then him coming out and it was you know and this was a you know and the crowd again because there's no distraction there's no you know there's nobody holding up cell phones there's no like like literally and if you if you remember right there was the lights would go off and then there was a long enough space to give people a chance to get to their seats like it was like it almost it felt like an eternity in the dark before you heard that first you know pound of the drums not only the pound of the drums his countdown which was really dramatic for a man <laughs> counting into a song right it, it was that it, really it was, that really set the tone and that you know and that settler i mean the those settlers varied enough to where you know, and what, what do we have? Three of these now from this? Four. Four. We have four? Four. That they're pretty much paint the picture of that arena tour. Like, you know, if you did a compilation of one show and then the ones, the one-offs or the ones that came in those other nights, it really is the representation. And they were, they were on their game. Like, you know, like fire is so good on this, you know, um, what what impressed me about Fire was the way the crowd knew knew it quite well. I mean, they sang it just just like they were singing Hungry Heart. Well, that that's the one it, the Jersey crowds, you know, Jersey, Philly, you know, always are locked in. Like always you know are locked in and always, you know, are into it and know the songs and know the deep cuts and know, you know, one of the nights I don't remember which one he, he did follow that dream, which I think maybe did, did they do a night? It, was it a night that yeah, was, it was, was that? Did he play it, the 16th? It was August 7th. August 17th was the night he played follow that. So dream. the night after the night after he played follow that dream, which was really 
really cool. And I remember that one because of I'm going down. Because I'm going <laughs> down is my guilty pleasure. That's <laughs> probably my favorite song of Born USA. Oh, You're right. Eight, 817 was the live premiere of I'm Going Down. And then, he, but he did Johnny Bye Bye, one of those two, right? Was that the same night? That was actually August 16th. Which is Elvis's, you know, anniversary of his death. And then I will need yeah. to follow the dream the next night. Okay. I remember that. I remember I'm going down. Um, which that's when he was doing the, you know, it was like kind of like almost, it was just him. And then they kicked in. Like he did like, he did the sigh and the girls were screaming. I mean, it, <laughs> it was just, it really, I, there has to be video on this. Like people need to, you know, need to see this. Like it's, it's great to be able to describe it and it's great to be able to listen to it. But it, the, like just, it was so unique and especially being, you know, young, like you remember a lot of it, but you weren't always in the greatest of seats. So to be able to see like the interaction with, you know, him and Clarence up close and seeing how their eyes, like, like when you watch that no nukes, right. And you're like, Oh my God, like, it's just a different, like it's crazy. So, so you don't think an 85 video or film would be good enough? <laughs> Listen, we're going to take whatever we get. Obviously. Nobody's going to complain. But just that, that 84, it just was like Hal said, it's he's on, he's there and it's about ready to like bust open. So like the t when he comes back and goes through all these cities again, but now instead of 20,000 people, it's 60 and 70,000 people. And being able to, and you know, I don't know if how did you see any of the stadium shows? I did see four of the six. So, like, the amazing thing that always blew my mind about that stadium run after this was how he condensed that building. Like, it, even though your seats were further away, even though the sound wasn't as good, it he somehow. And he's doing those Nebraska songs, like in this, like, and literally brought it into where you felt like intimate, even though it was 70,000 people. I'd always like was one of the, he always talks about his magic tricks, right? That to me is like the greatest magic trick he's ever been able to pull off that he just brings that many people that close, even though they're literally, you know, two football fields away. And it made me appreciate, you know, them as a live band much more and coming after 84 it was just you know really just mind-boggling so just to wrap up since you saw so many of these shows do you have a personal favorite yeah the one with steven was you know <laughs> i mean you know because it's you know he did i remember they that was going down was that night he had done that so at that point i was always excited to see that um of you know he had done cover me that night which again was was you know a thing for me because like it's the friggin single play the single man um the <laughs> horns of course you know twist and shout and do you love me was just crazy obviously drift away you know which was just like it always blows my mind the randomness of these songs like 
where does drift away come from? Like, like where, like why, like why Adobe Grace song? Like what's the, like, it's just mind boggling. And, you know, by the way, I'm just going to say this, like, you know, maybe at some point we'll get another Adobe Grace song, you know, that won't be drift away, which would be really cool if that ever is to happen, because obviously they're into Adobe Grey. Well, it was perfect for the moment. I don't know who thought of that, one of them, but just and I remember that night listening on WNEW, Carol Miller was there and was allowed to open the microphone for like a minute or two at a time so that the listeners could hear what was going on. And I was sitting in my house and I'll never forget that. And she was like, little Steven is on stage and they're doing Drift Away. And of course, we then had the bootleg for all those years and then the archive arrived. So these were like sporting events. Like they covered the radio covered these like sporting events and yeah and i remember i think new was there every show and oh, carol wow. was doing that and i think there was what there were stickers and there was things they gave you at every show right there was like um like a like a satin patch or something and it was uh, all all the and every night if you didn't go you would hear them and they would literally be doing like play by play <laughs> and then afterwards uh, would try to duplicate the show yeah, nice. they used to do the concert replay. And I remember them playing, you know, because I remember driving home after the, you know, the the uh, 20th show when they did the concert replay. And then two and a half hours later, you know, listening still at home and they played the Toby Gray version of Drift Away. <laughs> On an EW wow. like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Those were the days. I remember those stickers that said WNEW where rock lives. Right. And I think it's Bruce's back. I think it was. Uh, yeah, Bruce's back. Yeah. Like just, it just, just so, like such a different, more innocent world. <laughs> and just like, and just, you know, you only have your memories. And then these archives, which is literally amazing how many of these we get and the fact that we get these every month and it's basically no pun intended roulette on what you're getting you kind of never know and it bounces around and you know obviously there's things that you know haven't come out in force yet obviously you know a lot of rising stuff right and then we haven't really right we got the 177 thing right the two, two, two yeah, shows. one two released, shows. two shows. Right, and then we and we've got nothing pre seventy five, right? So you got to figure somewhere, you know, maybe we get a seventy four, maybe we get a, you know, a David Sanchez show and uh, a Boom show. You would hope, right? I mean, they've got to be taped. I mean, I would assume they taped a lot of the stuff. Uh, I don't know if you can make that assumption, and I mean, they were recorded. Obviously, we we have bootlegs. We, there are soundboards from from '74, but they seem to like these excellent sounding multi tracks a lot. And so I, you know, <laughs> you would think that at some point they would say, okay, the historic significance of, you know, the, what Agora '74. That's what June second. That would that would be pretty significant for them to release. And but so far it hasn't happened. And but that and, exists. I mean. 
I, don't get me started I, on the rising tour. I was a, that's a total fucking embarrassment for them. Yeah. Let's not go. Yeah. Let's not go back into that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, you know, there's not much more to say on it. Well, you know, well, no, what's funny is when you think about that, like I have like documents and I go to open them on like a WPS file or something. It was like a word document before word, I think. And you go to open it and it doesn't that it doesn't exist like you can't find the software to open this even though it's a word document and vlc doesn't do it and none of these other apps do it and you're sitting there saying like how could there be software that you would literally render obsolete that will be locked forever and you can never get and then you sit there and say oh my god this happened to an entire tour <laughs> you know and it wasn't like he needed to, and he wasn't doing it to save money. He was, you know, it was whatever that was the technology that was available to them at that point. So they did it, and yet somehow lost the. It's almost like Bitcoin, right? If you lose the actual key password, you can't get it. So frustrating. Well, and yes, that, and that's, very and that's, frustrating. And that's one where if they have a if they have a two track soundboard, just put it out. We need something from that tour besides Helsinki. Come on. Is that Sunday. all that they have? Yes. Well, they got to have the video. I mean, assume they got to have the video feeds, right? They videoed. There was a screens um, at that point. So I'm assuming there's a well, of everything. They professionally shot the Fenway shows. They've never been released. Oh, that's right. We, yeah. we know that for a fact. So, and who knows if they can now match the audio to the, I, the whole thing is a, a huge mystery. Uh, Let's not get into it now because it'll just set us off. <laughs> okay. But we, we want to keep you guys it, it, calm and enjoying the uh, archive release that we just got. That is spectacular. And it, like I said, it just, it brings back so many memories for me of how, you know, even going back to like, you know, blowing off an exam <laughs> to get the tickets and stuff. And it was worth it. Well, just having money on me, like what, you know, there would be no reason for me ever to have that. It was almost like it was, you know, karma or kismet or something be able to be that young of a kid and have that much money on you to be able to get this many shows and trade with people online it's just i it still always blows my mind and all my friends got to go and it's just yeah it's really really cool well thank you very very much for joining us it has just been a pleasure to hear your recollections on these shows and mm -hmm. I mean, for me, just amazing memories. And uh, I really thank you again for being here. No, thank you guys for uh, having me. And uh, hopefully I don't uh, screw up your podcast ratings or your uh, your likes or your subscriptions because people are like, what the hell is this guy doing on here? <laughs> well, we enjoy hearing those first person <laughs> accounts of, of your ticket adventures and seeing the shows. And uh, for, for someone who didn't get into them until for another year or so and then didn't have a chance to see a show until 88, Oh, so you didn't oh. see it? You didn't see anything until uh, Tunnel, or no? Right. Amnesty. Was it, it Amnesty tunnel. or Tunnel? Oh, it was okay. Tunnel. It was uh, Chapel Hill. Was my first show. That's, hey, that's still cool. Tunnel was a cool tour. It it was. It's my still my favorite. You know, because the first well, time it's, it has to be your favorite. <laughs> and the cool thing, and you know, about these archives, the cool thing about the Tunnel shows and release them, even though set lists are pretty much static, the fact that we get the sound checks. Yeah, and, yeah. Those few songs yeah. that they're that, that's pretty awesome. I hope they continue doing that if, if for any future tunnel shows. Let's hope so. Yeah, that's pretty special. We that reason to believe from was that Detroit. That's that's amazing. 
so cool. So thank you again. We've been talking with Rich Russo about the archive release from 84. He's the host of Anything, Anything, the syndicated radio show. He's also the Jersey guy does Jersey on Little Stevens on the Ground Garage on Sirius XM. And you can find details on where you can tune into anything, anything on his website, richrusso.net. Well, thank you guys. That's very nice plug. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, was, I, don't, I was even thinking of that. So that's very cool, guys. And uh, thank you. And uh, keep up the great work. And it's always a joy to hear you guys, like I said, uh, talking about these things because it's pretty much you guys the only guys really doing this, you know, on a podcast thing. And obviously we're very fortunate to have a guy like Tom Cunningham who does it every week on, you know, terrestrial radio. So it's always, uh, it's always neat. So. Well, thank, thank you guys. again. Thank we'll you guys. see you out on the road, Rich. We'll catch you guys soon. I'm sure. Once again, that was Rich Russo discussing the August 19th, 84 show of which he had the, the honor and privilege of attending. And sounds like he had a great time. Great summer that year, actually. Oh, man, I wish I could have seen seven or eight of those shows. <laughs> Just the one, as we were saying, made such an incredible impact on me to this day. Uh, what a treat that must have been for him and, and a treat for us to have Rich on finally. We, As you said, we had been waiting for him to come on and he knows how to tell a story. <laughs> that he does. He's a great storyteller. With that, we're going to wrap things up. A little note, we're going to be back with a special episode on the September Archive, and then we'll be into season four. We can't wait to cover the tour. As we were saying earlier in the show, perhaps there will be something new to discuss. And it's just, it's very exciting for us. And, and we know we have some new listeners after the ticketing fiasco, and we, we want to say welcome to them. We hope you're enjoying the show. And, and it really is a great pleasure for us to know that people are out there listening it's pretty mind-blowing actually yes it is and we're really excited i'm really excited about discussing current events when it comes to bruce and not uh, looking back on past tours and albums absolutely none but the brave is a presentation of bull market entertainment we're on evergreen podcasts you can find us on twitter at nbtb podcast on the web we're at none but the brave podcast.com so for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean, and thanking Rich Russo again for joining us. And we'll see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.